Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries. This is today's episode. I'm delighted that you chose to join us. Thank you, and I pray that this is a blessing to you. We are continuing through the book of Revelation, and we are beginning Revelation chapter 9 today. And we're going to do just a brief review and move into Revelation chapter 9 today. And so in Revelation chapter 9, I'd like to go ahead and read the first 12 verses. And that's what we will look at today. Revelation chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth, and they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months, and they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon. One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. So here we're reading about this fifth trumpet judgment that is coming upon the earth and will be unleashed upon the earth as the Lamb is now executing his righteous vengeance upon the earth and the judgment of God, the wrath of God has now been released and is being executed through these trumpets and bowls that will come. So, in chapter 8, we saw the first four of those trumpet judgments. We spoke about those, and we also saw the warning that chapter 8 ended with, telling us, in essence, you ain't seen nothing yet because there's three woes coming. In other words, the next three of these judgments are going to be worse than these four were. We looked at that in the last episode. So this fifth trumpet judgment now is not only the fifth trumpet, but it's also called the first woe. 
In this, we see John trying to describe this in the best terms he can. He sees what looks to him like a star fallen to the earth. However, notice this. This star that he calls it is actually an angel because he refers to him as a he. It's not an it. It's not a star. It's not an object. It is an actual being. It is he, an angel that comes down from the heaven. We will see this referred to again in Revelation chapter 12 also. So we will see that this applies in that way then as well. This particular angel is a angel from God sent on this mission, and he comes with a key to the bottomless pit. In other words, he has the authority to open that pit. He has the key, just like you have your key to your car, your key to your house. And you can open it, you can close it, you can lock it, you can open it. So he has this authority. Notice that also that this tells us the location of the bottomless pit is apparently on earth somewhere because he is coming to the earth, this angel, holding this key to the bottomless pit, and we will see that he actually unlocks that pit and allows these creatures to come forth. The bottomless pit is the abyss. I want to read a couple of quick passages to you, because I want you to understand this place a little bit more. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this. But I do want to look at a couple of quick places with you. In Luke chapter 8, and also in Matthew chapter 8, we will read this story. And it's interesting because this gives us some information actually from the dark side. Because I want us to notice a few things that this proves. In Luke chapter 8, beginning of verse 26, it says this, Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus Son of the Most High God, I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, say, what is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. I want to notice a few things. This story is also written in Matthew's gospel as well. And so you can read it there in Matthew chapter 8. But notice a few things that these this episode proves. Demons know exactly who Jesus is. 
It's amazing because even nowadays you'll try to have people that will argue that Jesus is not the Son of God. But the very demons and the devil himself knows that's a lie. Jesus is the Son of God, and even the demons could not declare anything but that when they were faced with him. The demons prove to us that Jesus is Lord. Notice they had to beg him for permission. They had to beg him not to send them to a particular place. And if you continue reading there, you'll see that the next thing they said was they wanted to go into these swine. They begged him to let them go into the swine and possess them. And then they ran them down the hill into the sea. So the demons know exactly who Jesus is, and they declared it so. The demons were forced to fall down before him. The demons proved that Jesus is Lord. And notice this, the demons who come from hell, who are in hell and in the kingdom of darkness, are scared of the abyss, this bottomless pit. So this abyss is quite an evil place and a very dark place if the demons themselves are scared to be thrown there. The demons know also the designated time for their own torment and demise. If you read it in Matthew, especially in verse 29, you will see that because the demons asked Jesus, they said, have you come now to torment us before the time, the designated time? So the demons know. Now, they may not know exactly when that is, the day or the hour or the year, for instance, but they know that there is a designated time that they will be tormented, they will be thrown into the lake of fire, they will find their end and their demise. And notice lastly that the demons had to obey the Lord's command. They were forced to, to do exactly what he said. They could not do what they wanted to do unless he gave them permission. So they mentioned to us about this abyss. And obviously it is a very evil place. It's literally in the definition of the word a depthless place, unbounded very deep. In some places, it's called the great deep. It is also called the pit. One scholar and researcher suggests that it's called Orcus, which was a very deep gulf or chasm in some of the lowest parts of the earth. In Jude chapter 1 and verse 6, Jude writes this, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode. He, meaning God, has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. So we see Jude making reference to some angels that are bound. Is this perhaps those same angels? Is this perhaps that place where they are bound? We do not know, but we do know that the scriptures tell us that there were some angels that are bound in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Perhaps that's this place. Perhaps these are some of those evil angels 
fallen angels that were bound. We find a similar passage in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. And it says this, Peter writes, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. And then he goes on and he talks about the sparing of Noah, etc. So we have two witnesses here that tell us that there are some angels in a special designated place that, that are imprisoned. They are in chains of darkness and they are imprisoned. And it's in the lower parts of the earth, possibly a section of what is called hell. We do not know. But it's a lower part of the earth in the underworld. Some angels sin grievously and are locked up in these chains in this place. It's an inferno, a great and super hot, fiery burning furnace. We're told here in Revelation, and that the fire and the heat rises up. It's like a burning furnace. Smoke arises. And because of all of that, the smoke probably having the sulfuric uh, scent and sulfuric gases and etc. In it, the sun and the air are darkened, probably because of the ash and or smoke cloud. But notice this passage also talked about these locusts that arise from this bottomless pit. They are demons. They are demonic creatures. John gives us the best description he can as to their appearance. When he saw them coming out of this pit, this bottomless pit, rising out of this abyss, these demonic creatures are given power, it says. Now that word is exousia. It means authority. God grants them a certain level of authority because they are now part of his instrument to institute and execute his wrath on this God-rejecting evil world and these earth dwellers. This authority, exousia, talks about mastery or privilege or the right. It's similar, John tells us, to the authority that's given to scorpions in the earth, suggesting deadly and painful stinging and attacks. Now, notice in verse 4 that these are referred to as locusts. They're actually demonic creatures of some kind, but they gave John the appearance of locusts. And notice that they are not functioning like normal locusts in nature would do. Locusts in nature would feed on the vegetation, the trees, etc., and destroy it. Eat it all up and leave it desolate. We'll see that in a few scriptures in a moment. But rather, these, instead of devouring the things that normal locusts would devour, these actually are not after that, but they actually attack people. They're attacking people who are alive at that time on the earth. Notice this, though. They are not allowed to touch a certain group of people. They cannot sting them. They cannot touch them at all. And that's 
specially protected group of people are the sealed of the Lord. The exact same ones that we learned about in chapter 7 of Revelation, where God tells the angels to seal 144,000 in their forehead with the seal of God, the name of God in their forehead. These ones are protected against this evil onslaught of these locusts, and the locusts cannot touch even one of them, not one of them. But these locusts can sting all other people that do not have this seal of God in their foreheads. Notice that these locusts can sting and hurt or injure people for five months, but they cannot bring death to them. The people that are getting stung by these would think that death would possibly bring them some escape, some relief. But the thing is, they do not realize that the minute they would die, they would be in hell, and it would be much worse than these locust stings. So there is no relief for these people because they've rejected God and are under his judgment. And they are given these, this power. They have limited authority. They have a limited scope. In other words, they cannot touch the sealed people that we talked about a moment ago. And they have a limited duration. They can only torment and injure for these five months. And we're told that the torment is like the scorpion's sting. People will want to die thinking that it will bring some relief and escape. But for these, death does not come, and it would bring them to total doom forever if they did die. So locusts are spoken about by two of the prophets, and I want to just read those quickly to draw a couple of similarities here. In Joel, or Joel, I want to begin reading in chapter 2, Verse 1, blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming for it is at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come great and strong, the like of whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. A fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like swift steeds so they run. With a noise like chariots over mountaintops they leap, like the noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble, like a strong people set in battle array. Before them, the people writhe in pain. All faces are drained of color. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation, and they do not break ranks. They do not push one another. Everyone marches in his own column. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. They run to and fro in the city. They run on the walls. They climb into the houses. They enter at the windows like a thief. 
The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble. The sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? So this sounds similar in several ways to the verses we just read in Revelation chapter 9. In this account, Joel is speaking as if it's an army of men, and perhaps there is a near fulfillment in Joel's day of that, but it sure does sound so similar in several passages and places here in this reading to what we just read in Revelation 9. So it's possible that this is a prophetic word toward what we read in Revelation 9. And strong is the one who is executing his word, the scroll. The day of the Lord has come. It is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Only those who have that seal of God in their forehead. If we go down in Joel chapter 2 to a few verses later, I'd like to pick up the reading in verse 25, because this will show us the devastation, the destructive effect of locusts. Verse 25 says this, So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. So here God is giving a prophetic promise to the remnant, to those who are his, that he will restore to them things that these locusts have destroyed in this time of this prophetic word from Joel or Joel. But the point I wanted to bring out is that it does speak about the destructive nature of these locusts. They are swarming locusts, crawling locusts, consuming locusts, chewing locusts, different aspects of the destruction and the ruin that they bring. Similarly, I'd like to read just a few verses from Nahum chapter 3. In Nahum chapter 3, verse 15, it says this, beginning in verse 15, There the fire will devour you, the sword will cut you off, it will eat you up like a locust. Make yourself many like the locust. Make yourself many like the swarming locust. You have multiplied your merchants more than the stars of heaven. The locust plunders and flies away. Your commanders are like swarming locusts, and your generals like great grasshoppers, which camp in the hedges on a cold day. When the sun rises, they flee away, and the place where they are is not known. So here again, it's describing for us the destructive nature of these locusts. And so we see in Revelation chapter 9, these are actually demonic creatures that are bringing destruction and ruin and injury. They are not allowed to kill, but they are allowed to harm, sting, bring pain and injury to people for five months. The people who do not have the seal of God in their forehead. In chapter 9, we're given this description about these locusts, the best that John can give us 
He begins to just describe them, talking about the shape being like horses prepared for battle, wearing something like crowns of similarly to gold upon their heads, their faces like the faces of men, having hair like women's hair, perhaps long and flowing, and their teeth being like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And then notice the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. Their tails, he mentions, like scorpions' tails, and the stings are in those tails. He talks about how they have a king over them who is the angel of the bottomless pit. In Hebrew, his name is Abaddon, but in Greek, his name is Apollyon. Their mission is that they have been released by God's angel that came with the key and set them free or let them out. And they are to hurt men for five months with these stings. Their king, notice this, they have a master, a ruler, a ranking superior over them. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we find out that there is a hierarchy of authority of rulership, even within the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan. Satan is their ultimate ruler over the kingdom of darkness, period. And he is called in scripture, the prince of the power of this air. But God is ultimately sovereign over all. Remember, these had been imprisoned in the abyss until God's time. They couldn't get out when they wanted to. They could only get out when God sent the angel with the key to the bottomless pit. These had been imprisoned, and they were imprisoned until God let them out for his timing and for his purposes of executing his judgment. The name of their ruler, Abaddon or Apollyon, Both really mean destruction, ruin, or the destroyer. This would be a fallen angel, one of Satan's cohorts, one of Satan's demons, that is ruling in or over a company of demons in an infernal realm of the underworld. This could be Satan, or it could be a high-ranking demon under Satan himself. This is the fifth trumpet and the first woe, with a warning that two more woes are coming. Every time you hear that, it will give you the indication you ain't seen nothing yet. In other words, it's going to be worse next time. The next one is even worse than this one. I want to leave you with this good news because I know that these things are hard to read in the scriptures and they are hard to teach in the scriptures. They're hard to understand because we do serve a God that loves everyone, but he is also a holy God and he is also a just God. He has provided the way of escape. He has provided the way of salvation. He has gone to great lengths to do that, even in the giving of his own son whom he loved very much. And Jesus came willingly and obediently, died on the cross for our sins, and was raised to life again as God accepted his payment in full 
for all of the sin of all who will believe in you. And so the call today that I want to leave you with is, is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Have you called upon him? Have you confessed your sin and asked him to be your Lord and Savior? Don't delay. Don't delay because these days are coming and they are going to be so difficult and so evil you can't imagine it. That's why God is telling us this in Revelation. It's not to scare us in the sense of just being frightful. It's to prepare us. It's to let us know. And during this time, the age of grace is still wide open. You don't know how much longer you have on this earth, nor do you know at what point Jesus will call his church home and the window of grace will close. But there is a moment right now when you can call out to Jesus and be born again. Let him wash you of your sins. Wash away those. Let him set you free. And let him write your name in the Lamb's book of life so that you will not be here to experience these evils that will come upon the earth. So I call out to you today, don't delay. Get saved now, because trust me, you do not want to be here for these things that are coming upon the earth. Come to him today. He's calling for you. Will you respond? I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.